HIPAA for dummies. We give them a free podcast, and we even offer them a money-back guarantee. Yeah, double your money-back guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) You're listening to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast, where HIPAA and humor collide to make learning fun. Your delightful hosts are Donna Grindle and David Sims. Relax. HIPAA help is on the way. Welcome to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast. Today, we're going to look at the OCRCAPOMGWTF. Of a breach. So basically what that means is that somebody screwed up. And so we want to figure out what the hell that means. And what happens in the, I guess the media world, uh, when there's a breach that goes on, people look at the fines of the breach and maybe how the breach happens, but they don't look at the totality of it. So today, Donna and I are going to dig down deeper into what that involves. So my co-host, as always, is Donna Grindle. Hi, Donna. Hello, David Sims, my co-host as well. How have you been? I've been great. I got to take a couple of weeks and work in South Florida. Well, very good. Very good. So down in the Keys again? Yeah, I was feeling good. Feeling good. <laughs> now you're back to the I like the world. island life, man. <laughs> well, uh, as we are recording, uh, South Carolina just had a, I think they said it was a flood of biblical proportions. Um, so that explains why the animals were lined up two by two in my yard. Yeah. So now that that's over with. Um, you and the dog were in the front of the line, right? Yeah, absolutely. She's your favorite. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We tried to figure out which kid we were going to throw overboard so we can make room for the dog. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way it would be in my house. The dog goes first and everybody else. Right? Yeah. So before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about how when people look at the breaches and they, and they talk about the money involved, they're really only looking at a portion of that, not really the overall aspect of what, what involves the damage and cleanup of, of what happened. And, and we, we know what to look for and we know what to look at. And, and we're not shocked by the figure put on a, a an announcement when somebody says the, you know, they're going to, find somebody, you know, half a million dollars. You and I both know that that's just going to be uh, scratching the surface, really, of what they're going to end up having to pay when you start looking at everything else that comes down the pike. So I know today you wanted to look at one in particular and kind of dive into that. So tell us a little bit more about it. Well, I'll be happy to do that. Thank you very much. (laughs) I always get you know, everybody else uh, wants to talk about the the money and the settlements and stuff because it is the the shock and awe factor that everybody wants to put into the get you started mode. But to me, while it's uh, not as sexy as a headline, when I saw the recent announcement of the settlement with Cancer Care Group in uh, Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, it was a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar settlement and. Okay, wow, that's a lot. But then the thing that really got my attention was it included a three-year corrective action plan, also known as a CAP. That's where our acronym came from, from the the opener. (laughs) OCR issued a corrective action plan. OMG! (laughs) Three years? Yeah, so So that's going to cost a lot more than $750,000 probably. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it, you know, it, the problem is, is that all the corrective action plan generally does is say, okay, here's all the things you're not doing in your compliance program that now we want you to do. 
And not only are we laying out exactly what you have to do, but we're giving you the time frames that you have to do it, and we have to approve of it every step of the way. And a lot of people don't realize just how intensive these corrective action plans can be because all they do is say $750,000, oh, my insurance will cover that. Well, we just had an episode about whether or not that will work. (laughs) Um, But there's nothing that your insurance will cover in these corrective action plans because it's work you're supposed to do for your compliance. Mm Mm-hmm. So the cancer care group uh, breach settlement or resolution agreement that just came out just to, uh, you know, fill us in or the listeners in on what that was, it was announced on August 31st. So it's the most recent one, but it relates to a July 2012 incident where a laptop bag was stolen from an employee's car in Indianapolis. And it had actually in it unencrypted backup drives uh, along with the laptop. And by the time that it was all said and done, they say about 55,000 people, Mm. 55,000 people were on there. So clearly well over the 500 patient limit, they had to notify HHS who initiated an investigation. So that investigation, so they notified HHS within the 60 days. This happened in July 2012. Within the 60 days, it's just now been announced what the settlement is. So number one, when these things happen, it can take years to resolve. So it's a thing that's hanging over you for years. And trust me, having worked with the people that are going through these things and trying to figure things out, it's a big weight on you, especially the smaller you are, the bigger the weight because there's less distribution, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we work with people on is let's go ahead and try and do as much of this work that we know you're going to need to do before you reach that settlement point because it'll get you a leg up, so to speak. Because these corrective action plans, while sometimes we see them as a year, uh, three years, I think there's even one that was five. I could be wrong on that, but there's, I think, one that didn't have a corrective action plan. And when OCR was asked about it, they said it was a case where everything had been done in that time frame between the breach and the settlement. Well, when you review the corrective action plans, that's where you really see what OCR says you should be doing because they're telling them specifically, you will do this, then you will do this, X, Y, and Z. So everybody talks about not having guidance. I see the corrective action plans as a great deal of guidance. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because the next piece, <laughs> if you don't meet the corrective action plan, then that means you're in breach of your agreement and they can go back to the table and then bring down the hammer on every single legal enforcement that they can do. And clearly 55,000 people, $750,000 isn't hitting every single violation. Mm -hmm. So it could be big if you don't do it. So basically you pay the money or your insurance company pays the money if you're fortunate enough to have insurance that will, but then this corrective action plan kicks in. And let's talk about the obligations that are in the corrective action plan. Well, let me guess. The first thing is probably going to be perform a risk analysis. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Yay, yay. You're the Uh, winner, David. I am a winner. (laughs) Yeah. And and this is the part that I guess it makes you scratch your head because that's the 
first part. All the, that's always the first part, always the first step. Um, and, we, and we referred to this in a past episode, and I don't remember the number right off the top of my head, but where you have to, you, I guess your pre-step is to get all your things in order, and we talked about that on that previous episode, but the first step to kind of get into the actual doing HIPAA is to perform your your risk analysis. So I guess it just still kind of makes me scratch my head when they come up and say, part of your accredited action plan is for you to conduct a risk analysis. And I don't know, maybe you do, but are they requiring them to do that because they didn't have one or just in addition to what they already have? Well, in the in the uh, resolution agreement, you'll see the covered conduct or conduct that's causing them to do it. And almost always it says from the time, and it, it generally says from 2005 until 2012, they never did a thorough risk analysis. So, yes, it generally says in the top of the agreement, this is what you did wrong, and it starts there. Because they'll always tell you the number one thing they find that's missing is a proper risk analysis. Mm -hmm. So, I don't personally understand why people just ignore it. And even when we're trying to get people to understand to do them, they're like, can't you just skip over this? Can't you just give me a checklist or to-do list? and and we talk about that in in the other episode, so we shouldn't go down that rabbit hole. But the number one thing they're supposed to do in their corrective action plan is conduct a current, comprehensive, and thorough risk analysis. Okay, mm-hmm. then they develop and implement a risk management plan. Again, we talk about that. It's what you're supposed to do. Review and revise your policies and procedures. Wow, this sounds like us just going through a compliance program with somebody, doesn't it? It does. Review and revise your training program. Okay. Then they have two additional pieces, reportable events and annual reports, which are added in there, which we'll get into in just a second. But the important thing is the first four things are things that are required of any HIPAA compliance program. It's Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to do. Well, everybody's like, okay, well, it's what they're supposed to do. Well, what makes the corrective action plans, we'll call it more intense, is that from the date of the agreement, you have 90 days to complete that risk analysis plan, the thorough risk analysis, just the risk analysis, and submit it to OCR for their approval. So now it's not something that you can work out and tweak and figure out. You got 90 days to figure it out and do a risk analysis, send it to them, and they have 60 days to respond with a written explanation of their disapproval, comments, and recommendations of how you can revise it. At that point, you have 60 days to redo it and resubmit it. And that cycle goes over and over and over until they're happy with your risk analysis. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Time frames, you're getting their approval down to, you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Then you go to step two and the same thing happens. Now you do your risk management plan. You got 60 days to send it to them. And then there's 30 days on some of the other stuff, but you're getting these constant things. All four of those steps each time before you can move on, you've got to get approval of step one. Then you got to get approval step two, and you've got all those time frames that have to take place. And then you have implementation timing that has to take place. And, you know, the policies and procedures and the training programs, it's like as soon as you get those, then you're like, there's 30-day turnaround timelines. 
So it's not the same. <laughs> I mean, you're doing what you're supposed to do, but you're doing it on a crash course where it's tested. And I don't know about you, but if if I had to feel the pressure of making sure that OCR is checking my work every step of the way, while I feel confident in what I'm doing, I'd still freak out. Mm-hmm. What would you do, David? I would call 911 again. <laughs> yeah, I think that... Um, You'd just call me, wouldn't you? I, yeah, I would. Like, Donna! <laughs> You know, you know, I'm in Key West. I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, properly doing the work of HIPAA is is stressful enough as it is. And, and you kind of have your own timeline, even though I think that there should definitely be some goals that are set from the beginning so you know what your expectations are. But having OCR hanging over your head is just, that's added stress that I don't think anybody really needs to have to deal with. Mm-mm. And to do it every step of the way. We're not talking like, okay, here's our plan. If you approve our plan, we're done. No, this has to happen. So, you you know, you've got the 90-day time frame, the 60-day time frame, and that loop staying in that loop. I mean, how long is it going to take for you to figure that out? I don't know how many times it takes because I haven't had to get caught in the loop, let's say. But I can say that there's definitely a lot of work involved to meet those that level of documentation when you go zero to 90. Mm-hmm. Because if these people have already done a lot of this stuff, they wouldn't necessarily have a corrective action plan at all, or at least not one this stringent this three years. So you start with build your compliance program the way you're supposed to, and you're going to do it within a very specific time frame. And you're going to review every freaking part of your systems in this brief time frame. And if everything goes well in like six months, you've done a crash course in compliance review. Yeah. And gotten it approved by the teacher. <laughs> now, these the last two things they put on them, though, they're, those were kind of outside of the norm, right? Yeah. So that's what takes it above and beyond. So first, there's reportable events. And this is the part where I'm like, I, you know, I could see this really becoming an issue for some people uh, just knowing what they go through in a day-to-day basis. But what it says is anytime you receive information that a workforce member may, again, may have failed to comply with the policies and procedures. So no, we're not talking a breach. We're not talking. They just didn't follow the policies and procedures. Mm-hmm. Then you have to investigate. And if after investigating, it's determined that the workforce member did fail to comply with your policies and procedures. So just not, not following the rules. They nothing bad happened as far as PHI goes. My people didn't follow the rules. And we talked about it's the people people. <laughs> Which we see all the time. Exactly. <laughs> Even the people so, that are doing a good job of it. I mean, yeah, they're violating you know, a policy and procedure, you know, it, regularly. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's like stay on top of your policies and procedures. Okay, yeah, and try to make sure. And I'm dealing with people that'll say, I forgot. I was in a hurry. Uh, I wasn't there that day that we talked about it. You know, there's a million reasons that people fail to comply with a policy and procedure that has nothing to do with absolute security failures. It's the people people. 
Well, anytime somebody fails to comply with a policy and procedure, you have to notify HHS in writing within 30 days. And you have to include a description, everything that happened, all the relevant facts, the people involved, the policies and procedures that were violated, what actions you're taking, how you're going to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future, your sanctions. I mean, every single detail about the individual. So the person that violated it, now your name's in there. For any violation, because it says may have failed to comply, you've got to look into it. So you've got 30 days now to tell HHS about every time somebody didn't comply with a policy and procedure. For three years. For three years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. WTF. <laughs> <laughs> it's the name. OMG. <laughs> so the the other piece is the annual reports, which is... Each year, no later than 30 days, again, we have these brief timelines, no later than 30 days after the end of the reporting period. So this uh, cap started August 31st, and then they have 30 days after the end of the first year, 30 days after the end of the second year, 30 days after the end of the last year. So not a lot of time. The detailed description of updates or changes to your risk analysis or risk management plan. And your strategy related to the assessment, the potential risk, and all these kind of things. And a detailed description of revisions to your policies and procedures and training materials. A summary of the reportable events. So the events that you had to report to them, now you have to give them a full summary of the ones that you were supposed to. And then my favorite part is (laughs) at the end, it says that the annual reports require an attestation signed by an owner or officer that he or she has reviewed it and has made a reasonable inquiry regarding the content and believes information is accurate and truthful. Mm, Put somebody on the hook. (laughs) Exactly. Don't say, well, my people did that. No, no. It goes all the way to the top, just like we always talk about your culture of compliance goes all the way to the top. So if you look at a lot of this stuff, you got to wonder, how the corrective action plan doesn't become the big topic. Because to me, you know, that means you're going to make a proper compliance program and you never have before. And if you don't, you're back in the hot seat even more. Now, with this particular breach and settlement and all this, I mean, we talked about the last two things, reportable events and the annual reports being kind of outside the norm. Do you believe that this is something that is because maybe... Uh, this particular practice just wasn't doing anything right. So it was almost like we're going to make an example out of you. Or is this an indication of things to come in 2016 and beyond? Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, we checked out your compliance program and it was so poor. We feel like we have to stay on top of you and keep our thumb on you for three years to be sure that you don't just, you know, poke it with a stick and pretend that you're doing it. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, that's kind of the attitude. It's, it's almost like OCR put them on serious restrictions. You mm-hmm. know, you, you got teenagers. <laughs> you, I'm going to take away your phone. You got to make your bed. You got to do your homework. <laughs> they're you know? on house arrest. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah. It's, this is exactly it. You're, you're house arrest. You're in serious trouble. But as hard as it is for most practices to do HIPAA as it is, mm-hmm. I mean, God, how are they going to be able to do these things? properly. I, I, you know, we have people that 
are looking at, you know, the looking down the barrel, so to speak, of these settlement plans that have gotten us involved. And we're desperately trying to do as much of that corrective action plan activity starting now while they're in the midst of that, you know, what could be three, four, how many year program of going through the settlement process and the investigation. So I see it as a direct relation to the effort that your organization is putting into compliance. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at some of these corrective action plans, you can see they made a big mistake. They didn't do the risk analysis. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. But their corrective action plan is one year, and it doesn't have this level of detail in it. So clearly, number one, they're getting strict. They're getting more strict. I don't know if it's stricter. Is it strict? Stricter? <laughs> more stricter? strict. Just more strict. More strict. <laughs> more strict. They're getting more strict uh, with how they're defining exactly what you're going to do to build a proper compliance program. They're essentially saying, here's three years that you're going to stay on top of this and do this the way you're supposed to, and we're going to make sure you are. So their culture of compliance wasn't even there, clearly for them to push it this hard. Or I, I can't say clearly. I have to say I assume for them to push it this hard that there really had no culture of compliance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And you look at this is a practice. We haven't seen one yet towards a business associate. And when we do, I'm not really certain how, I mean, we talk with business associates all the time because we really do a lot of work with software companies and and IT companies like, you know, we work with you and others. And it, we look at it and say, you know, if this this happened, it could destroy the whole business. Mm-hmm. You know, they're out of business. And we've had a lot of CEOs say to their workforce, look, this is serious. We take it seriously from the top down. And if we had a major problem here that was directly related to our failures, it could destroy the business. This is how important it is. And that's the way the provider should be looking at it, but they don't. Yeah. Hmm. So this is definitely one of those things to look at as a, in my opinion, a fair warning to <laughs> to do HIPAA as best you can. If, right. If, if nothing else, do as, do as much as you possibly can. Don't ignore it completely. Well, or at least take the approach of, I'm making a reasonable effort to focus on this. I can show you and document I'm having the meetings, I'm doing the training, I'm reviewing things. I, uh, you know, it, bring people in like us. Yes, that can't be a bad thing, but if you don't want to spend the money on that and we've actually had people who tell us I really want your help, but the doctor says I need to read HIPAA myself and figure it out. We actually had somebody tell us that. That, you know, like in your spare time, I want you to go read the Federal Register. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. And there's stuff online and you just review it and you do what it says. So clearly that provider has no real understanding themselves. And so that's one of the things that we try to do with these podcasts. And the reason that you and I do this without, you know, it's it's not a membership thing for these podcasts is we want to educate people so that they can look at the bigger picture of what's going on. It's not something you read a book and then you go do it. Yeah. HIPAA for dummies. We give them a free podcast and we even offer them a money back guarantee. Yeah. Double your money back guarantee. (laughs) (laughs) 
So anything else on this one? Well, the only other thing I wanted to add is people always say to me, um, I'm doing my risk analysis. How often do we have to do it? And, you know, I don't want to have to do this every year. It's time consuming. I, I know. But in this particular corrective action plan, they specifically said they shall review the risk analysis annually or more frequently if appropriate and promptly update it in response to environmental or operational changes that affect the security. So anytime you're seeing these kind of things in the corrective action plan, that should be your guidance to know that, yeah, you should do it annually. It's not saying do it every three years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, you do it now, and then after we're done, we want you to do it again. No, they want you to review it and update it, and even more frequently if you have major changes. Right. And one of the things I've told people, you know, with ICD-10 implementation going on, have you done a risk analysis? If, if you've changed your software and you've changed your workflow or you've, you've changed anything in a major way of how data is moving around because you've implemented a coding tool or something, you need to do a risk analysis and know what's happening. No, hadn't done it yet. Mm-mm-mm. So there you have it. That was my OCR, CAP, OMG. Yeah, I'm still... St- <laughs> it's just one of those <laughs> things you look at and you're like, wow, what <laughs> in the world? Uh, yeah. yeah. Hopefully there will be people that listen to this that um, it's a wake-up call and, and they don't put themselves in, in the harm's way uh, the way this this company has. Yeah. And I mean, we don't know the company, so we don't know the environment. We don't know the situation, but I know by the harshness of this, either they're being made an example of, or they didn't even make an effort to really dive in there and fix it after this major breach. Mm -hmm. So, and it could be a combination of, of several things that made it so strict, but I can assure you that even back in 2012, there were three-year plans going into place that people are just now getting out from under, and there's probably they were strict and they were overwhelming to them, I am sure, because if you go back and look at the cardiology group in 2012 with the six physicians, I mean, those guys, they're the ones uh, that were one of the first small practices, and they were put on a three-year corrective action plan. So don't think it's the big guys. Yeah. Yep. They're going to get you at some point. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we talked about this before as well, but it's worth kind of reiterating here. You know, people always hear about hackers and, and random audits and all this kind of stuff. But a lot of times it's it's just going to be something else that gets you. It's not, you know, the random audit thing. I, I like to tell people that there's just so many business associates and, and uh, covered entities out there that the chances of you having a random audit are going to be much, much lower than the chances of, like in this case, somebody smashing a window out of a car and taking a laptop that had information on it or, right. or an employee doing something that, whether it's intentional or not, doing something that ends up causing a breach. And it's much more likely for those things to happen that ends up putting you under the microscope. Yeah. And yeah, the microscope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a colonoscopy. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, You can tell I'm in my 50s. We think about those things. All right. Yeah. There goes David. He's like, oh, I'm not going there. Yeah. I think we need to end Uh, right there. Things are getting stinky. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that one. I knew you'd have something to say. So we'd like to thank you for listening to today's podcast. And if you would like to head over to iTunes and give us a rating, we would definitely appreciate it. It helps us to get the word out and helps other people find us. 
So go to iTunes and give us a rating there. You can also go to our website at helpmewithhipaa.com. You can leave us a message there. And if you have a question, we might even feature it on a future podcast. So don't forget also share us on your social media networks as much as possible. And anything else you want to say, Donna, before I close it off. Thank you for your time. (laughs) Thank you for your time. So thanks again for listening. And don't forget that HIPAA is not about compliance. It's about patient care. You've been listening to the Help Me With HIPAA podcast, hosted by Donna Grendel and David Sims. The show created to help you with HIPAA. For more information or to ask us a question, visit our website at helpmewithhipaa.com. Neither Donna Grendel or David Sims are attorneys, and they do not offer binding legal advice concerning regulatory compliance. The information in this podcast should not be relied upon or construed as legal advice in any way. Consult your attorney for legal advice concerning compliance with HIPAA regulations.